pray. Father, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for grace. Lord, thank you, Lord, that we uh, we can have access to your grace through the through your son who died and rose again for our sin, Lord. This morning we're thankful, Lord, for salvation that we have in Christ. Thankful, Lord, that we can come and worship you. Help us, Lord, in our uh, worship this morning again, Lord, that we will honor you with the songs that we sing and the preaching, Lord. We pray that all would bring honor to your name. Meet the needs, Lord, that are there, Lord, this morning, and we'll thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. May be seated. Well, one more. We sing, Oh, Happy Day. One, uh, 207, 207. Christian, 
But uh, everyone who is saved, born again, a Christian does not try to maintain their Christianity. It's because they are saved that they are Christian, but then they grow since they've been saved. A baby, uh, little David's looking at me right now like, I know that man there. And uh, actually, I have not held David a lot because that's just me. I don't want the baby to do things to me. But um, recently I've had a chance to play with him and hold him. And I, I actually even thought that he reached out to me sometimes. Miranda's holding him, and I'll say, Grandpa, come Grandpa. He'll sometimes do that. And so I'll say, see, he's reaching for me. But uh, babies, babies, they will grow. Uh, look at that David, look at that Joseph. Joseph is 15. Joseph is tall. Could be tall as Jim, maybe taller, probably handsomer. <laughs> but... He has grown and he will grow and the, the Christian grows and that's the natural progression of Christian to grow. And so being saved first is the important part. Then you grow as a Christian. Um, speaking of uh, Nathan, they left on Wednesday night. He and five of the older kids, they are now in California. They got there um, Thursday morning. They already went on some little sightseeing, hiking kind of things. Preaching today in California and then we're going to drive soon to Arizona for a meeting and then go to the Grand Canyon, do their hiking adventure. And so I was thinking about them traveling, and I thought about this already today, and I don't think anybody got it this morning at 9.30. I want to repeat it again. Hopefully you will get it. This is real. These are real places in the mainland. Maybe you live one of these places. Let's see if you can appreciate the unusual names that people name their towns, or live in a town that was named before them. I was holed up in Boring, Oregon, wondering whether I should try someplace differently to live. So I hopped in my car and drove to Hawaii, Arizona, to figure things out. After a few days, I found Nancy in Why Not, Mississippi. I needed a town with some life to it. So I made a beeline to Disco, Tennessee. Where I danced so much, I wore out my shoes. The next day, I headed to Loafer's Glory, North Carolina. That's a real place, Loafer's Glory. Loafer's, what a town. Afterward, I headed to, a, I made a sharp turn to take a break in Handsome Eddy, New York. Oh, that's weird. Let me skip a couple of towns here. Um, I made a pit stop in Bottle, Bottle, Alabama. And finally hit rock bottom in Condemned Bar, California. You know, I found a, a bar in North Carolina on Highway 17 going south from Jacksonville years ago. You know what the bar was called? Shipwreck. I thought, how appropriate to call a bar shipwreck. Come here, we'll shipwreck your lives. How appropriate. And then he went to the next one to Cranky Corner, Louisiana. I knew that if I continued like this, pulling myself together, I grabbed breakfast in Oatmeal, Texas. I had lunch in Sandwich, Massachusetts. That's a pretty fast car he's got there. And then I had dessert in Pie Town, New Mexico. I should have stopped eating after Greasy, Oklahoma, because I was feeling pretty sick by the time I left Lick Skillet, Tennessee. But in Brilliant, Ohio, it dawned on me I had to cease my wandering ways. So I parked in Do Stop, D-O Stop, Kentucky, took out the map and chose my new home. I didn't need wealthy Texas or famed West Virginia. I found everything I needed in Happy Land, Oklahoma. That's pretty good. Can't make those things up. All right, well, uh, can't make this up too. Um, Arb's wife, what is her name? Crystal. Crystal, I keep forgetting. I, I, she gave birth to a, a healthy baby girl. We assume no information from Arb at the Queens over in town. And so um, induced labor and all that good stuff. So as far as we know, a healthy baby girl. And uh, the girl's name is, um, what did I say it was? Elijah. 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 And so, um, 
Congratulations. Praise the Lord for that healthy baby birth. We think. We think. We assume so. Haven't got any word. And then uh, some people are sick today. Uh, I think um, Hannah has got a sore throat and so on. I had one last week. Uh, feeling much better today, but uh, we're going to take it easy and let you preach it uh, in just a few minutes. And let's see. Um, I got a new car. Uh, a used car. But it's a new car to me. And Uber money paid for it. So, uh, got a clear title, got insurance on the thing. I'm driving it today. Having fun with it. Tang has helped me a lot about keeping it clean, all that kind of good stuff. And so, uh, hopefully, it's going to be a, a good car to use. All right. So, can can do racquetball and golfing now and all those things. All right. Uh, let me, uh, that's all the notes that I have. Anything else that you know of? Done. Okay, good. That was your cue. I've been giving a lot of hits to nobody can catch it. I don't know, but that geography lesson that you took us on today was uh, very interesting. You know, I have a, I struggle with geography. In fact, um, when my daughter first moved to Colorado, one place that we went to was Pikes Peak, and we took the, uh, the train up to Pikes Peak. And uh, one of the people was saying, if you look to the mountains on the east, and if you look over the uh, Rocky Mountains, then what you can see is you can see Nebraska, Kansas, and Oklahoma. And I was thinking, I pulled out my phone and I Googled it and I went, oh yeah, Nebraska, Kansas, and Oklahoma are to the east of uh, Colorado. I didn't know that. I have no clue. But, uh, you know, the pastor took us on this journey this morning in all these different places. I'm wondering if that place called Disco Kentucky was named in the 70s because that's a, you know that's kind of when I grew up. Anyway, neither here nor there. Open up to the book of Deuteronomy, please. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Last week, Pastor took us to this passage of Scripture, but uh, he took us, uh, you know, he talked about God testing us. And as I was reading this passage of scripture, it also reminded me of something else. And that is um, what I want to talk about this morning. So Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 1 through 6. All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do, that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear to your fathers. And thou shalt remember, remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldst keep his commandments or no. Verse 3, And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not. Neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee know that man does not live by bread only, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of the Lord uh, doth man live. The raiment waxed not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these forty years. Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you once again. And Lord, we are grateful for your word. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would have free reign this morning. Speak unto us as only you can. Encourage us and help us, Lord. The purpose of why why we're here and why we have your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, something that came to mind as I was reading this passage of scripture is something that is a lost art today, or I should say it's an art, it's a skill. Memorization. Memorization is a lost skill. You know, with the advancement of technology, we have the internet, we have computers, and of course we've got Google. You know, we no longer have to remember anything. In fact, the more we rely on technology, the lazier and dumber we, um, we become. Basically, and I speak for myself, I'm learning that I don't have to remember anything because as long as I got my phone with me, guess what? I can look it up. Simple, right? And sadly, you know, in ancient times, the ability to memorize was a pride skill. In fact, I was at a... Um, a world religion conference yesterday and uh, there was somebody from the native Hawaiian native Hawaiian religion and something that he said that um, that provoked that 
not provoked me, but made me to think is that the Hawaiian language, they did not have a written language up until the missionaries came. So essentially what happened was that everything was uh, passed down from generation to generation through all our traditions. They have to remember their laws, they have to remember their culture, they have to remember their customs, all of these different things. And there was somebody within that community that had to remember. In fact, in, in, in every family, there was somebody that was designated as the oral historian in that family. In fact, I met someone many years ago over on the Big Island and um, this, uh, this woman was telling me their history. And I was just fascinated just by what she had remembered. And this was something that from, you know, from the time she was young, she was trained up to remember all of these different things. I say this today because essentially in school, they're no longer required to memorize the multiplication table, the periodic table. Um, phonetics and all of the material that's required for the education curriculum and we wonder why we have kids today that basically are unable to communicate and sadly this is something that is has continued to perpetuate and I am no better because I get I got caught up in all of this right and but what I'm reminded of is this memorization is a skill that needs to be worked at. It's like a muscle, right? If you don't work it, it, it atrophies. And sadly, I use the excuse, oh, you know, it's hard for me to, to memorize or to remember stuff because I'm just getting older. Really? No, essentially what I'm saying is that I'm lazy. I don't wanna work at it because why? It takes more work now because I don't know, my brain cells are dead or whatever it may be, but I do know that it does take more work for me to memorize. And sadly, when I say that I can't remember, all I'm saying is that I'm just lazy. I don't wanna do it. And what we have to understand is that if I'm not willing to put in the work to memorize something, and it does, it, it, you know, for those of us that are past our prime, so to speak, Forgive me, I'm not Don Lemon, but uh, you know some of you guys can get that. Anyway, you know if I'm not willing to put in the extra work, I'm not going to be able to memorize anything. And in our passage of scripture this morning, Moses instructs the people to remember what God had done for them. Look at verse number one there. He says, "All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do, that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore unto your fathers." Now. Moses is speaking to a new generation. The generation, the old generation, Joshua and Caleb were the only surviving members of that older generation. They had all died away. They were getting ready to go into the promised land. So he's reminding these young, this younger generation all the commandments that I said. Turn back a few chapters. Go to chapter, uh, chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse number 1. He says, Now therefore hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes and unto the judgments which I teach you, for to do them that ye may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord your God of your fathers giveth you. Okay, so hearken unto all the words that God has spoken. Hearken unto all the words that Moses has, has been teaching them throughout their journey. They've been on a 40-year journey in the wilderness. And so Moses is reminding them these things. Look at chapter 6. Verses 1, 2, and 3. It says, Now these are the commandments, the statutes. And the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that you might uh, do them in the land where you go to possess it. That thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command thee. Thou and thy son and thy son's son all the days of thy life and that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it that it may be well with thee and that ye may increase mightily as the Lord God of thy fathers had promised the, in the land that flows milk and honey. You know, in the, verse number one, he says that, and uh, which the Lord your God commanded to teach you. You know, teaching. God has instructed us. He's instructing each and every one of us. How? Through his word. Through the preaching of his word that comes from the pulpit. But ultimately, what it boils down to is this, is that if we want to learn something, we have to be willing to, be sit, to, <coughs> to sit down or be willing to make some sacrifice, be willing to make some time to be receptive, right? 
Study to show yourself to show thyself approved, a workman that need not be ashamed. Study. Study means that we're going to dedicate some time. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to read God's word. I'm going to meditate upon God's word. And if I'm not lazy, I'll try to memorize God's word. In fact, I shouldn't even use the word try because when I use the word, when I hear the word try, it's like ah, you're not going to do it. You know, it sounds good, try, but I know for myself personally, when I say try. Guess what? That's it. That's the end of it. I'm not going to try to do anything. When I say try, I'm just giving you an excuse that I'm not going to do it. But sadly, what he says here is that God wants to teach us. How do we, if he, he wants to teach us, what we need to do is we need to be willing to learn from him, right? In order for us to keep his word, to preserve his word, one thing that he, he says here in verse number, uh, go back to chapter 8. He says, observe to do. Observe to do. He's observing, basically, to keep it, to preserve it, to preserve His words. And that is something that we need to work on. Why is God trying to tell His people, or why, I should say trying, why is God telling His people to remember the commandments? You know, sadly, what happens is that oftentimes we forget, in, for those of us older folks, or more seasoned folks, or more mature folks, whatever we want to use the term. Many of us have forgotten more than we remember today. You know, I think back, I was thinking about sometimes, in fact, my as I was going through this, I was remembering when I lived on Kauai. You know, I lived in, on Kauai until I was four years old. And some of the things that I experienced back then, something that I still remember to this day, this must have happened when I was like three or four years old. In fact, it was probably when I was like three, three years old. My um, Hanai grandparents, who lived right across from us, what, one of the things that they did was they raised chickens. And of course, you're raising chickens not just for eggs, but also for, for protein. And I'm sure that um, Francis can relate to this. One of the things that you do is that, you know, if you're going to use it for protein, one thing you do is you gotta, you have to unfortunately end the life of that particular creature, right? And what they did was they used to chop the heads off the chicken, and what they did was they hung it upside down on a clothesline. Hung it upside down, and they used to have these, what they call tarai, these tubs, right? And they catch, catch the blood. And I remember, as a kid, going into the refrigerator, and I saw this, and I said, wow, look at this jello. This thing looks so good. And I took a piece of it. In fact, it wasn't cut up or anything like that. I think what I did was I just stuck my finger into that bowl and I dug some up. I stuck it in my mouth and I started eating. It was like, this is disgusting. <laughs> it, was, it tasted like metal or iron. I forget what it tastes like, but it definitely did not taste like jello. The point, though, is this, that it caused me to, whenever I see something that I'm not familiar with, Mom, mommy, what is this? Because I don't want to be caught eating, you know, what is that? Gelatin blood or whatever it may be. The point though that we want to do what that God is trying to do is He's trying to get get hit the people to keep His word to so that they can, He can preserve them. But more importantly, is to develop good habits. Once again, in verse number eight, uh, chapter eight, verse number one, He says, "I." All the commandments which I command you this command thee this day shall ye observe to do. To do. You know, one of the things that we need to do, in fact, this is something that I work on, is that if I want to learn something, what do I need to do? Is I need to just continue to do, repeat, repeat, repeat. Kind of wash, which repeat. Get into a good habit. When I first got saved, one of the challenges that I had was I had to unlearn 36 years of bad behavior, 36 years of bad habits. And the only way that I could overcome that was just continue to be in God's Word, reading God's Word. And there were times where I was like, Serious Lord, are you, are, are, are you trying to, are you speaking directly to me? Because there were things in, in God's word that just contradicted everything that I knew. Everything that I learned. All the, 
my, my prior belief systems, uh, my prior habits and all these things. But ultimately, if I wanted to learn, if I wanted to so-called uh, turn over a new leaf, one of the things I had to do was I had to new, learn a new way. And that new way was from God's Word. So he says, to do. In other words, each and every one of us needs to take action. If we want something badly enough, what we'll do is we will make time for it. I've, I've told you guys a story about that realtor that I um, avoided for a whole week. She finally caught, caught me on the phone. And she says, Hugh, we will always make time for those things that are important to you. What's important? What's important to you? You know, I, I gave the, um, the illustration of Tom Landry. The, well, I shouldn't say the illustration. The, when he was posed with the question, what's the secret to your success? And he said that he made a commitment back in 1958 that God, family, and then football. That was his priority. And the question is, what, what are we putting as far as our priority? What's number one in our life? What do we... What do we value so much that that is what is the most important thing? And sadly, I look at my life today, one of the things that I can talk about is that I have rheumatoid arthritis and there are things that I should not be eating because I know the consequences of eating carbohydrates, of eating sugar. Basically, it causes systemic inflammation, which means inflamed joints, which means, guess what? Pain. But here's what happens, is that I know through trial and error how far I can push it. And sadly, that is something that I, you know, I need to get away from. It is something that I need to just get rid of in my life, because here's the thing is that if I am going to push my limits as far as eating carbohydrates or eating sugar so that I can just avoid that pain sensation or the, the stiff joints or whatever it may be, what about in my spiritual life? Do I push the, the sin component just far enough so that it's like, oh, it's not that bad. But ultimately what I have to understand is this. Everything is bad if it's done against God's word. And the same thing should be with myself. For my physical health, it's like, for my physical health, what I should be doing is just cutting all those things out. So God is telling his people, Israel, remember. Remember my commandments. Remember my words. I want you to, to prosper. I want you to have a long life. I want you to live a good life. And he continues to tell them that. And then what we see here, so what does he do? He says, in verse number two, he says, And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness. Let me stop there. He says, remember. Remember what? Remember the past. Remember the last 40 years. Remember everything that I have brought you through. Remember all the times where... You're complaining in the wilderness. You didn't have water. You didn't have food. See, ultimately, what we have to remember is what did God bring us from? I know what He brought me from. He brought me from the, the ultimate slave pit. I mean, I, He brought me out of the gutters to where I am today. If it was not for God, I definitely would not be here in front of you all because I know that there were a couple of times where I was rushed in an ambulance to Queen's Hospital because of overdoses. That's like, but yet, I don't learn. I didn't remember. A week goes by and what am I doing? Back to the old same behavior. But he says here, he says, remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee. You know, God loved the people of Israel so much that he was willing to lead them. In fact, that's what he was doing. He was giving them, he, I think it was supposed to be what, an 11 day journey from Egypt into the promised land. We took him 40 years. Why? 40 years. And you know, when I, when I look at something like that, it's like, my goodness. So I could have alleviated all of that pain and suffering if I just listened. If I just listened, right? 
I could have alleviated all that pain and suffering of rheumatoid arthritis if I had done this behavior 40 years ago. But no. Who doesn't like sugar? Who doesn't like dessert? I mean, even today. You know, last week my sister made some banana bread. And she makes it like uh, Francis and Carmen. She puts some, uh, what do you call that, um, chocolate chips in them. So she cuts me a slice, a slice about like this thick, and I, I broke it in half. Thankfully, I mean, you know, this was a piece that was like about like like so. I cut it in half. I I got through eating half of that half, and I knew I was in for a world of hurt because after the about the second or the third bite, it was just so sweet. And sure enough, the next day, my knee was just acting up. But here's the thing, is that I don't learn. Sadly, I continue to do things I shouldn't be doing. But here, God is telling the people of Israel, he says, remember how I led you these 40 years in the wilderness. Now, what did he do? He led them. The first thing that he did was he humbled them. And ultimately, as I was thinking about this, that is exactly what God did in my life. You know, when he took me to prison, the first thing that he did was he needed to get my undivided attention. And one of the things that you learn, well, I should say learn, one thing that happens when you get to prison is that you lose your rights. Completely. You have no choices. You know, it's not like, oh, would you like to eat today? No. <laughs> It's like you get this thing that looks like it's gravy and it looks like it's got, I don't know, some ground beef in it and you have a biscuit that I recognize and then, you know, it's like they, it, it's just kind of like a biscuits and gravy type view but it definitely does not taste like biscuits and gravy. But here's the thing, you have no choice. You have no choice. You have no choice as to when you eat or what you eat. You have no choice as to when you go to sleep, when you get up. You have no choice as to when you do your laundry. Well, basically, we don't do laundry. It's like laundry day, you just you know, put it into these laundry bags and somebody does the laundry for you. The point though is this, is that you lose your freedom of choice, right? You lose your freedom of choice. And by losing your freedom of choice, now what happens is that you realize that one of the things that you need to do if you want to have a easier time in prison is that we need to obey authority. We need to obey adult correction officers. What did God do with the people of Israel? He humbled them. Why? One of the reasons why he needed to get rid of their pride because sadly what happens is that we operate in a world today where I can do anything. In fact, it was me that got this. It was me that succeeded in this. Look at the, um, uh, the athletes that we have today. Actors, musicians. Oftentimes, what is it? It's all about them. You know, I, I, I have a hard time with basketball, professional bas basketball. Not only are they like walking, they've turned their bodies into walking billboards. But sadly, a lot of these basketball players are of the mindset that it's all about me. You know, we got, uh, what's his name, King James. It's all about himself. But yet, if we think about this, it's not him. It is God that gave him the gifts that enabled him and, and, and allowed him to be born in a country that has the, uh, a system, a economic system that allows him to make the kind of money that he makes, the freedom to do what he wants to do. So God says this, he says, I need to humble you. Look at verse number three there, eight three. He says, and he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger. You know, by humbling them and letting them know that hey, you are no longer on your own. You can no longer take care of yourself because now they're out on this wilderness journey, they're traveling. 
right? They're nomads. They're going to the, uh, the, the, uh, the desert, the wilderness. And what do they have available to them? Well, they were yearning for the leeks and for the things that they had back in Egypt. But guess what? They didn't have it. Not in the wilderness, they didn't have it. So one of the things that God did was take a look, go, go back to Exodus, Exodus chapter 16. Let's take a look at this humbling, this testing, which eventually led to them trusting. Exodus chapter 16. In verse number 1. It says, And they took their journey from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came into the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after the departing out of the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh plots, and when we did eat bread to the full, for ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. So here they are, yearning for what they had. They were able to eat as much as they wanted to. Why? Because they had choices. But now that they're out in the wilderness, guess what? Nothing. Nothing is available, right? So what happens is that God causes them to hunger. And look at verses 14 and 15 here. And it says, And when the dew that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness, there lay a small round thing, as small as a hoarfrost, on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, It is manna, for they wist not what it was. And Moses said unto them, This is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. Imagine this, folks. I live in the valley. Every morning, well, I should say every morning, most every morning, there is dew on my grass. Because, you know, there's moisture and so on. And I would not even begin to fathom that as the sun rose and as the dew started to dry up, if there was this white stuff on my grass. It's like, and that's manna, right? It's like, what is it? I don't know what it is. But more important is this. I don't know what it is. And then now God wants me to eat this? Think about this. God was providing for them. He had to humble them. He had to cause them to hunger. And then now he provided. He provided something that they had never seen before. He had provided something that would, that would provide all the nourishment that they had. Because if you think about this, one of the things that goes on in modern society today is sadly we are malnutrition and when i say that we're malnutrition well malnutrition we're short of the nutritional needs the uh, the minerals the vitamins that we need to sustain ourselves because oftentimes what happens is that we're eating just a whole bunch of processed foods you know things that are easy but god gave them this thing called manna what's amazing about this is that they had no health issues. Within that manna was all the nutrients that we needed or they needed for their body to sustain themselves for 40 years. God provided all that they needed. And what it makes me realize is that there's often times where we are presented with something that's unfamiliar to us and we go, what's that? And you're told what it is, and it's like, I don't like. I remember, if I, I just had this conversation with somebody the other day. So I remember the first time that I was served escargots. And I know some of you won't even touch it, but here's the thing you've never had it. But yet you say, I'm not going to eat it. But the first time I was served escargots, you know, I lived in an, my yard growing up. One of the things that we used to like to do was we used to get Hawaiian salt and look for African snails and pour the Hawaiian salt on top of the African snails. Because what would happen is that that salt would suck up all that moisture from the snail. First thing you would see is that the snail would, the head would go into the body, I mean into the shell. And if you flipped it over, you poured some salt in there. Next thing you know, what would happen is that 
after about a few hours, you'd see this that that snail starting to shrivel up. And when I was served this escargot, I was looking at the shell and I was like, man, that thing looks like miniature African snail. It's like, I I'm not eating that. And the person that was with me said, you gotta try it. You gotta try it. And it's and they give you these cute little forks, yeah. They're like the tines are like maybe about like so big. You know, and there's like maybe two times or three times on there. And then you gotta stick it in there and dig it out. Yeah. And put it on. Yum. <laughs> hey, not bad. <laughs> not bad, right? And so the point though is this, is that the people had something that they did not know what it was. Yes, what is this? What is this? But yet they ate. Why? It came from God. God was giving them this, right? God was providing for all their needs. So what, what God was doing was he was building a trust. He was helping them to know that he was the provider. That's the reason why he says, remember. Remember all these past 40 years. Remember what I've done for you. All the things that, we, that, <coughs> that I provided for you. So he humbles them so that they no longer are dependent on self. Now they're dependent upon God. And now he's testing them. He gives them this manna that comes from heaven. But here's the interesting thing. Look at verse number um, in Exodus 16, verses 19 and 20. And Moses said, Let no man leave of it till the morning. Notwithstanding, they hearken not unto Moses, but some of them left of it until the morning, and it bred worms and stank, and Moses was wroth with them. You know, one thing that God did here was he was trying to prove them. He was testing them. Are you going to be obedient unto me? Yes, you got this food that I'm providing from heaven, but now I want you to go out every day and gather. I don't know about you guys, but I would have been one of these folks here that went out and just tried to gather for the entire week. Why? I told you earlier, I'm lazy. Why do something every day if I could just do it once? Right? But what happened? We see here that if they gathered more than one day's worth of food, then the worms would get to it. It would stink. Now check this out. In that same passage of scripture, jump down till verse number 23, on um, verse number 22. And it came to pass that on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for one man, and all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. And he said unto them, this is that which the Lord had said, tomorrow is the rest of the holy Sabbath unto the Lord. Bake that which you will bake today, and see that which you will see and that which remained over lay up for you to keep until the morning. Verse 24, And they laid it up to the morning as Moses bade, and it did not stink, neither was there any worms therein. God is building trust here. For six days, he said, you go out and you gather whatever you're going to consume for that day. And then on the sixth day, you go out and you gather twice as much. Now remember, those that went out and tried to gather twice as much in the first six days, in the first five days, what happened? It rotted. It stank. Now think about this. If you were one of those individuals that did go out and get extra, extra uh, mana, and it turned bad on you in one day, and now Moses is telling you that you need to go out and get gathered for two days, so, wait, the last time I gathered more than I consumed, I got burned. That thing, that thing stank. That thing turned rotten. But now, Moses is telling me, through God, that I need to go out and gather for two days. And he promised me that it won't. It won't rot. It won't stink. And guess what happened? It didn't. Right? You went out, gathered. Why? Because there was supposed to rest on the seventh day. But more importantly than that, is now you're beginning to trust the words of God. Because everything that God has said, is coming true. It's coming true. You know, one of the things, the reason why God is trying to gain their trust here, 
He wants us to understand. We, he, we need to remember what God has done in our lives. You know, remembering what God has done will give us confidence in what God will do. If God has done it in the past, guess what? He can do it again. And He will do it again. Oftentimes what happens is that God has gotten us through some trial. God has gotten us through some, some storm. But yet we encounter a storm down the road and we're wondering if God can get us through. We're doubting. But what God is trying to ingrain upon these people is that you can depend on me. In fact, turn to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 1. <clears throat> Paul tells the church here in Philippi. Philippians chapter 1. Verse number 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he, God, which had begun a good work in you, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You know, we, back in Deuteronomy, Moses tells the people to remember all that God has done. He says to remember the commandments, to do them, to keep them. And what God is ingraining in us is that is trying to get us to uh, to believe that we can trust in Him. That's an important factor, you know. In my early professional career, one of the things that we used to do was we used to go to these. Um, I remember going to this one camp. It was um, when I worked for Theo H. Davies. And all of the managers had to go through this, um, it was team building. But one of the team building things that we did, one of the um, activities that we did was trust. Trusting our teammates, right? And one of the things that, one of the activities that we did was that you were supposed to stand with your hands on your side and you were just supposed to just lean back, fall backwards, and your teammates were gonna catch you. It's like the first time I did this, I'm standing here. In fact, I was the first person to, to do this. So I'm going, I'm looking back. It's like, I don't know if you can hold me. I don't know if you can keep. I, I'm not trusting them, right? But what they did was they laid down this, um, like on, um, uh, uh, we call that um, gymnastics mat. So it wasn't like you were going to fall onto hard concrete floor. There was some padding there, but at the same time, I'm looking back, and the instructor is going, you just fall back. It's like, I don't know about these guys. So she says, just relax and fall back, right? So I relax, and I just fall back, and sure enough, they caught me. The point, though, is this, that God is trying to do the same thing with us. Q, I'm there for you. I'm there with you. In fact, Turn to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter um, 13. Hebrews chapter 13. God was trying to get the people of Israel to realize that he was there. He was the provider. He was going to take care of them. He was all that they ever needed. Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he had said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That is God's promise to us. You know, sadly, what happens is that it's not a matter of God leaving us. It's us leaving God. It's us turning our back on God. And we wonder, where has God gone? God's still there. It's just us that has turned our back on God. So get back to Deuteronomy. So what's happening is that God is 
in this passage of scripture, God is trying to get the people of Israel to remember everything that he had done in the wilderness so that you can trust me, you can have faith in me. And I read through this passage of scripture and I'm thinking to myself, oh my goodness, I'm glad that I'm not, you know, it, 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 in verse number four there, he says, the raiment waxed not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these 40 years. Kind of reminds me of, um, you know, pastors told us stories about when Moran, he and Miranda, well, Miranda go shopping at, um, at um, Sabres, and it's like, honey, well, how does it look? Well, here's the thing, right? Imagine this. Honey, four years, you're out in the wilderness. Honey, I need new clothes. Honey, this is all out of style. But what we see here is for 40 years, it didn't matter whether it was out of style, uh, it was old, or whatever it may be, is that God took care of them. You know, I have polo shirts that after repeated washings, after what, three, four years, they're no good. But here, for 40 years, 40 years, their, their clothes did not get old. They're 40 years, no holes. No, no um, threads hanging all over the place. Forty years, God sustained them. God provided for them. It was a miracle. The fact that their 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 um, clothes lasted for that period of time. But that's the reason why He says, "Remember, remember these past forty years, everything that I did." And here's the thing. You know, one of the <coughs> the challenges that we have is that in today's society that I was just thinking about this. In fact, I was talking to Nathan about it on, on Wednesday night. I said, hey, Nate, you, have you, what have you been done for conditioning to prepare you to get down, to, to hike down the Grand Canyon? He says, we're just going to kind of play it by ear. But look at what this passage of Scripture says here. Thy foot, neither did thy foot swell these 40 years. These Israelites, they didn't have cars. They didn't have donkeys, transportation. They may have had horses, but for the most part, everybody's walking. It's just their foot didn't swell for four years. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but there are days where, there are times where when I first started hiking, you know, and you get new shoes, that's the worst thing to do is try to break in new hiking shoes on a hike. <laughs> because when you come home, guess what? Your feet are swelling, right? But their feet did not soil for 40 years. Their clothes did not, did not um, get old. God sustained them. He was trying to get their point across. Remember, remember what I've done. <clears throat> so he tested, he, he, he tested them so that they could, they could trust him. And he says, remember so we don't forget. Look at verse, in, in chapter 8. This is something that we need to remember. He says this, in chapter 8, verse, starting off in verse number 10, it says, When thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. This is when they go into land. He says, Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command thee to say, lest when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thy heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt, from the house of bondage, who led thee through the great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, where there was no water, who brought thee forth out of the rock of flint, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, and that he might prove thee to, thee to do thee good at thy latter end. And thou say in thine heart, My power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You know, sadly, this sounds like America. Is that God has provided. Right? God has taken, taken care of this great nation that we live in called the United States of America. But what's happened is that we've forgotten God. And he, 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 Moses is reminding them that God has provided for you. He's watched over you. He's nurtured you. 
And what you don't want to do is you never want to forget God. You, you need to remember where all your provisions come from. Because ultimately, if we don't remember this, then we turn into... Uh, I, I came across this poem here. And it helps me to illustrate what happened to many of us, myself in particular. Because if we're not being dependent on God, oftentimes we're depending on something else. The poem is called, Google Maps is My Shepherd. Google Maps is My Shepherd. You know, when my daughter first moved to, um, to Las Vegas, and um, we were looking for this AT&T store for um, some friends of ours that were with me on that trip. And we were using Google to navigate. And so I'm listening to all the prompts and everything else. And this thing seemed, the, the, the Google seemed to be taking us in a circle. And it finally took us down this road and it was a dead end. And I turned to my friend and I says, what's up with this? And he says, well, that's technology for you. The point though is this, that in today's world, when I'm driving most of the time, I do have uh, a program, it's called Maps, and I have it open, why? Because it tells me where traffic is, where police are, if there's an accident, all these things. And sadly, I'm kind of dependent on that program to get me from point A to point B in the quickest amount of time. But listen to this, this, um, uh, this poem here. It says, Google Maps is my shepherd. I shall never lose my way. It makes me lie down in the plushest hotels and leads me to the finest restaurants. It guides me along the right, right route for punctuality's sake. Yea, though I travel through the shadows of urban high-rises, I will fear no breakdowns for you provide quick access to roadside service. Surely GPS tracking will follow me all the days of my life. I will rely on my Google Maps forever. You know, it's a parody of Psalm 23. But the question is this, I read this and it's like, you know, that's, that's the society that we live in today. People are totally dependent upon technology. Rather than being dependent on God and God alone, we're looking for the easiest, fastest way out. Remember I said earlier, start off with, I'm lazy. So hence, I use age as an excuse not to memorize. When in fact, all I need to do is I just need to put in some extra time, extra effort, extra work. And I will be able to do that. The question is this. God is trying to get the people of Israel here to remember all the things that he's done. God is trying to get the people there to understand that He is all that they need. And it's the same thing to, for all of us today. What applied to them is what applies to us today. God is all we need. His Word is all we need. His Word is true. He tells us that He will never leave us nor forsake us. Let us get top of mind and remember that God is everything. God is all that we need. Remember what He has done in your life, in my life, for each and every one of our lives. Let's pray. Father, we thank you once again for this day. And Lord, I pray that uh, we would never forget all that you have done in our lives, first and foremost, for saving us, Lord, allowing your Son, Jesus Christ, to die, so that we don't have to face the punishment, the judgment that was um, that's for, uh, that we so well deserve. But Lord, we also know that you continue to provide for us, that you continue to watch out for us. And I pray, Lord, that we would uh, understand and realize that you are all we need, that, all, that we can depend upon you seven days a week, 365 days a year. And Lord, I pray that, uh, that we continue to seek you on a daily basis, or however often that we need to do that, for you love us, and you care for us, and you are our great provider. So Lord, we just ask you that uh, you just continue to encourage us in our walk. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.